Welcome, and thank you for joining me again. If you've ever looked in the sky after a rain or a thunderstorm, and when the storm is over and the water has settled, you will look in the sky and you usually will see a, a band of colors, which we all know to be a rainbow. Well, Genesis chapter 9, where we are at this point, is the first rainbow that ever appeared. And we will look at what the rainbow symbolizes and what it represents. So, to open your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 9. Genesis 9. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful, and increase in number, and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its life blood still in it. And for your life blood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting from every animal, and from each man too I will demand an accounting for the life of his fellow man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on the earth, and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth, and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. The sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. Noah! A man of the soil proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father's nakedness and told his two brothers outside. 
But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward and covered their father's nakedness. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan. The lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend the territory of Japheth. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be his slave. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Altogether, Noah lived 950 years. And then he died. Now, as we see, the flood is over and Noah and his family are ready to begin anew. Verse 1 says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, I also would like to uh, read that verse also from the King James. Uh, I will repeat again, as you know, I uh, mainly read out of the NASB, which is what I just read it out of. But I also uh, like to read, uh, would like to read that verse from the King James, which says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. Now, what's going on here is, uh, this is the second time the Lord God gave the command to do this. Remember Adam and Eve. So I just want to kind of give it two perspectives. Uh, here he said to uh, replenish the earth. In the NASB it says be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But in the King James it says to replenish. So I thought that it was important to uh, point that out. What was happening there? Verse 2 says, In the fear of you, and the terror of you shall be on every beast of the earth and on every bird of the sky with everything that creeps on the ground and all of the fish of the sea into your hand they are given. This could mean that animals did not fear mankind as of yet. Uh, now uh, it's saying that they would have a fear of humans, kind of like uh, if you live in an area where deer are present or uh, and, and you're walking and you see uh, deer or wild turkeys, they always run when they see you. Now, apparently, uh, during this time, animals did not do this because God brought the animals to Noah and Noah put the animals in the arks and Noah was feeding these animals. So obviously there wasn't that fear yet of animals of humans, but now that time is coming. Now, next we see that the Lord uh, God has told the eight off of the ark that animals are available to eat. Verse three, every moving thing that is alive shall be food for you. I give all to you as I gave the green plant. Uh, now notice the word every Hebrew word 3605 which means all the whole of and he so the Lord God said what he gave uh, we, we read again verse 3 I give all to you so that means all of the animals were now available to them but God gave a requirement verse 4 only you should not eat flesh with its life that is its blood the word life, Hebrew word 5315 means something that is still alive. 
So in other words, the animal had to be uh, it had to be killed, whether it was to sacrifice or whatever, and then they could eat it. But he could not eat a animal that was still alive. So that's uh, what's going on here. Verse five says, "And surely I will require your life blood from every beast. I will require it, and from every man." From every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Now, to the best of my knowledge, God is putting a death penalty into effect. According to David E. Thompson, which happens to be my teacher and my pastor, God is turning over to man the responsibility of holding murderers accountable by giving them the death penalty. And uh, I see no reason why that cannot be an account of what's happening here as well. It's the best of my knowledge. Uh, that's what the Lord God passed on to Adam. Uh, now, verse 6 makes the point from verse 5. Verse 6. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. And I believe that that just emphasized the point that we just read in verse five. Remember, context, context, context. This is why it is very important to read uh, the scripture in context. Again, God gives the command to replenish the earth. Verse seven. Notice verse seven. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply, populate the earth abundantly and multiply in it. I believe that verse there speaks for itself. Now, God speaks. Verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and to his sons with him. Now, uh, notice Elohim speaks not just to Noah, but to Noah and his sons. I think that's important here. This wasn't a situation where uh, Noah is hearing from the Lord and he is relating everything to his family. It says that, uh, that God spoke to Noah and his sons with him. So the Lord, so so this is no this is no secret uh, going on. The Lord let everybody know what's going on. And verse nine, he continues. Now behold, I myself do establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. God makes his covenant once again. God tells Noah and his sons. Uh, also, too, I would like a uh, to cross reference something. Uh, turn to the New Testament and go to Second Peter. New Testament, Second Peter, and we want uh, chapter one, verse twenty. Give me a second to pull it up. Second Peter one twenty, and I am going to read this out of the KJV when I get it up. All right, all right. Second Peter chapter one, verse twenty. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Now, why did I want to bring it up and cross-reference it? Because once again, God told Noah and his sons. And I want to make that point that the Lord, even though Noah was the head of the family, even though Noah was the one in charge here, the Lord still spoke to Noah and his family. And I brought up Second Peter 1.20 because no scripture is of private interpretation. So this is not Noah hiding in the corner saying, the Lord told me this. Uh, the Lord said this. His sons also heard it. So that way there was no confusion and there was no private interpretation of the scriptures. That's very important. 
Now I'm going to read uh, the next two verses together, 10 and 11. And they say, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the cattle, and every beast of the earth with you, of all that comes out of the ark, even every beast of the earth, and I will establish my covenant with you. And all flesh shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. God continues to speak and let them know that he will not send another worldwide flood. Uh, now, have we had floods in our time? Yes, but nothing as catastrophic as a worldwide flood. I want to point that out because there will be some that says, well, what about the tsunamis and the, and the hurricanes and, the, and other floods that have happened? Yes, we have had things like that, but we have never had a flood that would destroy all of mankind. Okay, verse 13, uh, 12 and 13, I'm going to read together. God said, this is the sign of the covenant which I am making between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all successive generations. I will set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a sign of a covenant between me and the earth. We see God says a rainbow will appear after every rain to remind us that he will keep his promise and he will keep his promise. Uh, that's why I mentioned in the beginning that after every time it rains, after every storm, you look up in the sky and there's the promise of God. Yes, it did rain, but we have not had a flood, a worldwide flood that brings so much destruction. Now, we see rain will be a regular part of our lives. Verse 14, and it shall come about when I bring a cloud over the earth that the bowl shall be seen in the cloud. Uh, the word cloud, Hebrew word 6051, is a rain cloud. This type of cloud has never appeared on the earth before. So remember, it hadn't rained until this point. So this is the now rain clouds become a regular part of our lives. Verse 15 says, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And never again shall the water become a flood to destroy all flesh. Why did God make this covenant with the animals also? Remember, they were cut off with the humans. So the same way that the Lord cut off all the human race, he cut off all the rest of the animals as well. Now, uh, God uh, makes a reminder for himself. In verse 16, when the bow is in the cloud, then I will look upon it to remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. And so it was so. God confirms to Noah the sign. Notice verse 17. God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So God confirms his covenant with Noah. Now, another reminder of who came out of the ark. Verse 18. Now, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem and Ham and Japheth. I'm sorry, Shem and Ham and Japheth. And Ham was the father of Canaan. Okay, now uh, let's read something about Canaan. Now we have heard, uh, now the earth has started over again. Now, and we, we know the eight have come out of the ark, but now we get to Canaan. And obviously there was a reason to bring up about Canaan. So let me uh, search up Canaan and let's see what we can learn about him. All right, give me uh, give me a second. Uh, 
Here we go. Canaan. Uh, the book says, the story of Canaan begins with an episode of shame between two of his family members. Canaan's grandfather, Noah, became drunk one day and lay naked inside his tent. Canaan's father, Ham, saw Noah like this and told his brothers, Shem and Japheth. They, in turn, covered their father without looking at him. In their culture, seeing one's, father seeing one's father naked was a breach of family values of the worst sort. Ham's transgression was made even worse when he talked about what he had seen. Noah's dignity, power, and even his authority became a mockery. When Noah became sober and found out what had happened, he was simulated by Ham's actions. In order to exact justice, he cursed Ham's son, Canaan, and his offspring. What seemed to be a small, unfortunate incident became a major tragedy. Noah's oracle predicted that Canaan's offspring would be in servitude to the Semites and the, and the uh, Jephthites, who by contrast would be blessed. Now, that was just some of uh, a little bit about Canaan. Like I mentioned before, there are so many people in the Bible, and when we come across people whose names we don't normally hear, I like to read a little something about them to kind of uh, get us to know you know, who they are and what's going on uh, with this story. Now, knowing his sons repopulated the earth. Notice verse 19. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. So we know that in whatever time you hear this, whatever day you're living in, Shem, Ham, and Japheth were the three men who repopulated the earth. Now, we're going to kind of dig into this deeper a little bit later about uh, who these men were and kind of like where they came from in regions and this and that and the other because I know that's important to some people. But the truth is this, doesn't really matter what the ethnicity of Noah was or these three sons of his, all the ethnicities of the earth came from these three uh, men, from these three men, and we will uh, learn about that more in the uh, chapters to come. Now, uh, Noah gets back to work to provide food. Verse 20 says, then Noah began farming and planted a vineyard. So Noah gets back to work. Now, we start verse 21 by looking back at verse 20 that says Noah planted a vineyard. So we know that this vineyard did not uh, previously exist. Remember, the world just came from under a flood that covered the mountains. Now, according to people who grow grapes, they say that it takes about three years to grow grapes. So this did not happen immediately. Now, we know pasteurization did not uh, take effect until 1864 when Lewis Pasteur did so. We also know that fermentation did not come into effect until 1869 when Dr. Thomas Brumwell Welch did so. Verse 21. And he drank of the wine and became drunk and uncovered himself inside his tent. Now the word wine, Hebrew word 3196, yah, yin, appears 138 times in the New Testament. Uh, I, like to, uh, I like to make one point. The Greek word for wine, Greek word 3631, anas, appears in the New Testament 34 times and has the same meaning as Hebrew word 3196, which is wine, not juice, according to the Greek lexicon. Well, why was that important for me to bring up? Well, there are those who will say that uh, wine, that the wine uh, that was dr uh, drink, uh, that they drunk back then was not wine like wine of today. Uh, that uh, 
you know, it was actually Jews. Well, verse 21, let's read it one more time. And and he, he being Noah, drank of the wine and became drunk. Well, we know that Noah didn't drink juice to become drunk. He drank the wine of the grapes. Now, what I like to say is the reason, the reason why I'm kind of sticking with this and I uh, want to break up how many times wine came up in the Old Testament and the New Testament is because in the Greek Septuagint, which is the Greek uh, version of the Old Testament, that's why I gave you the Greek word for wine and the Hebrew word for wine. Why? Because there are those who will say that, well, when Jesus turned uh, the water into wine, well, it was actually juice. It wasn't wine. Well, I know we have a ways to go before we get to the New Testament, but I want to point out that that same Greek word, 3631, is the same word where when Jesus turned the water into wine. It was wine, just, just plain and simple. Okay, so those who want to hold to their uh, church doctrines that says that, oh, well, they weren't drinking wine back then. It, it, it was just another form of juice. They're wrong. It was wine. And I can tell you this for sure. I remember uh, one time I had some uh, grapes that were uh, fresh off of the vine. Some people who owned a uh, vineyard brought some grapes to my wife's job, and she brought those grapes home. And I'm going to tell you, those grapes taste just like wine. I mean, they were thick, they were luscious, and they taste just like wine. They didn't taste like grapes who have been through the process, and you might get at your grocery store. I mean, these grapes were, were sharp, and, and they were good, too. So I just wanted to make that point. Look it up, look it up for yourself. Verse 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, who we just recently read about, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside the word nakedness, Hebrew word 6172 means just that. Some have suggested other things happened here, but Ham merely saw his father naked. That's all that happened. Now, the other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, covered their father. Notice verse 23. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and walked backwards and covered the nakedness of their father. And their faces were turned away so they did not see their father's nakedness. Okay, apparently it is shameful to see your father naked in this culture of time. Of course, I just read some of that when I read to you a little bit about Canaan. Okay, when, uh, when Noah's hangover was over, he knew something was wrong. Verse 24, when Noah awoke from his wine, he knew what his youngest son had done to him. Now, uh, done to him mean he saw his nakedness. Like I mentioned, there were others who say that uh, Ham did other things to his father, and that's why this, uh, you know, that's you know, that's how he, that's what it meant to see his nakedness. But it doesn't mean that nakedness means nakedness. And when Noah woke, he knew what happened. Now, how he knows, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he, you know, was half asleep and realized it was Ham in there, or if the other two brothers said something about it. But it says that Noah knew what his son had done. Now, Noah announces a curse. Verse 25. So he said, Curse be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brothers. Now, I want to talk about this curse, so let's cross reference. Turn, uh, stay in the Old Testament and turn to Deuteronomy 27. Deuteronomy 27, 16. And I will uh, pull that up. Deuteronomy 27 and then verse 16. Okay, I have it and I will read. Curse is he who dishonors his father or mother and all the people shall say amen. Okay. 
Uh, notice Noah did not curse his son, Ham, but he cursed his grandson. Why? I have no idea. Only God knows. Uh, what I would like to put to rest is this notion that the curse put on Canaan was skin color related. According to the great late uh, Bible uh, expositor and teacher, J. Vernon McGee, this was not so. Okay. Uh, uh, the Bible does not say his skin color was the curse, but that his descendants would be servants of servants. So I like I brought that up because there are those who would say uh, there are those who would say that. Well, see, you know, there's there's particular fates out fates out there that will say and they believe that. Well, when Ham was cursed, it uh had to do you know with his skin color you know but we know that's not so and if you believe you know how i believe you you know you don't uh you, you don't you don't adhere to that and you know who those people are who who believe that now i like to uh actually touch on what uh j vernon mcgee said in uh in his commentary he said uh he would like to note that uh god cursed canaan he does not put a curse on him uh the question keeps Arising is this is the curse of him upon the dark races. This is J. Vernon McGee speaking. It certainly is not. To think otherwise is absolutely absurd. The scripture does not teach it. The coloration of the skin, the pigment that is in the epidermis of the human family, is there because of sunlight from the outside, not because of sin from within. There is no curse placed upon him. The curse was upon Canaan, his son. We do not know in what way Canaan was involved in this incident. We are given only the bare record here, but we recognize that Canaan is mentioned for the very definite purpose. Okay, and I could go on and on and uh, read that, but I just want to give a little bit about what somebody else uh, uh, says about this curse. And it goes without saying that I believe uh, the same thing. This had nothing to do with skin color, even if uh, uh, Ham was uh, of lighter skin, let's say a yellow skin or a brown skin or even a white skin the curse that Noah pronounces has absolutely nothing to do with skin color now the curse continues notice verse 26 he also said blessed be the Lord the God of Shem and let Canaan be his servant now that's the continuation of the verse so Noah continues to bless his other two sons verse 27 May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem and let Canaan be his servant. Uh, now, I'll, I want to read, uh, I want to cross-reference about Japheth being enlarged, which we just read. So uh, stay in the Old Testament and turn to uh, Isaiah 66. Pull up Isaiah 66. And I need, uh, I need verse 19. Isaiah 66, 19. I have it and it reads, I will set a sign among them and will and will send survivors from them to the nations, Tarshish, Put, Lud, Meshach, Tubal, and Javan to the distant coastlands that never uh, that neither heard my fame nor seen my glory and they will declare my glory among the nations. Now that was just a cross reference and it goes back to uh, Japheth being enlarged just want to give you something else to read and I hope that uh, you have paper and pen handy so you can write these scriptures down and go back and read them for yourself 
Noah lived 350 years after the flood. Notice verse 28. And Noah lived 350 years after the flood. So we keep records here and we see how much longer Noah went on. Now we come to the end of Noah. Verse 29 says, so all the days of Noah were 950 years and he died. So now that the earth has been repopulated, we now uh, get to uh, the first death recorded. Remember, we have Noah, we have Noah's three sons, we have Noah's wife, and we have uh, Noah's three daughters-in-law. And now the uh, patriarch, if you will, uh, of the family is gone. That brings us to the end of Genesis chapter 9. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you took notes. And I hope that uh, you definitely read it for yourself. You uh, heard me say it before and I will say it plenty of times. Nothing makes me more happier than to know that people are studying the word of God for themselves. Not taking what I say for it or what anybody else says about the scriptures. But studying the scriptures for yourself. Take a little time every day in the Lord's word and praise his name and learn his word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for giving us the records of your word. We thank you for having it for us in print, Father. So we see the things that you said of old, Father. It's how you still speak to us today. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.